Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. This is episode number 42 with coach Earl Talbot. We speak today to Earl about what a solopreneur is and his experiences with burnout and how that's led him to start a business that helps people uh, make changes to their lives and uh, become a solopreneur. We really hope you enjoy the podcast. If you want to find out more about Earl, just uh, go to LinkedIn and search for Earl Talbot. Thanks very much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. So, Earl, welcome to Future Fuzz Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for being a guest on the show. Um, and we'll be talking today about what you do and help you help people in business and help people uh, find their, their true opportunities. Um, I couldn't help but notice that you've got a background in in sales so maybe you could tell us how you, you you sort of fell into that and got into that absolutely so first of all thank you justin for having me on the podcast and and yeah i'm happy to share and, and hopefully there's some insights for the viewers and, and listeners so yes my background started in um 1996 in sales and i worked in selling what was called magnetic media to large banks and corporations. I swiftly made the transition into internet sales in 99 um, with a company that was one of the founding uh, internet companies with, within the UK and I continued to enjoy a very successful career in sales from selling it internet services right up to managed, managed services to multinational companies in various parts of the, the globe. And um, well, if you if you started way back then, you must have experienced some interesting uh, movements in dot com bust then. Yes, um, we we were in that uh, bubble bust, and I remember having an all hands meeting with our CEO at the time, who was actually explaining to us that they were working out whether we could get paid on a weekly basis. So they were they were really looking at the. P&L to really figure out, you know, do we, can we actually pay our staff at the end of the month? And um, yeah, those were, let's just say, very interesting, exciting times. I can imagine. Yeah, exciting is quite an interesting word to use. So um, let's, <laughs> uh, I mean, did, I'm just curious, did, did, did you make it through? Did you have to change careers? I mean, a good friend of mine um, and someone who worked with many years, he, he studied development and then as he came out of his studies to get a job, that's when the bubble burst and he couldn't find any work. Yeah, so I was quite fortunate. So as I said, because I had a background in sales before the internet started, actually what happened with when the internet started, because it was literally so popular, there were a lot of people that were getting hired that didn't have a sales background or pretty much what you could call an order-taking background. So they weren't necessarily out get, gaining sales, they would take orders. And so my, my career was very successful in terms of actually doing sales, doing the deals, and actually upsetting customers. So I was probably one of the more valued members. Interestingly enough, though, around that time, I'd recognized that I wanted something more from life. And I, I took that time off literally in uh, March of 2003 to go traveling for 12 months. So just as it was 
kind of just easing. It was probably at its height, but it was actually going on a downward slide in terms of the the um, dot com bust. Um, I I decided to go travelling, and then I actually went back to the same job, um, got a promotion and a pay increase, and uh, yeah, so that was also quite interesting. After twelve months of travelling, brilliant. So you go away, and then and then you you're more valuable when you get even more valuable when you get back. <laughs> yeah, ironically. <laughs> So you obviously you've got that strong background in sales, um, yeah. And um, how did that? I mean, and you've worked in the corporate world as well. So yeah. how did that that working in in that sort of world lead you to to found uh, your business, Creative Muscle? So it came it it came kind of by chance in a way, and it came from a awareness of. I was lucky because I was really successful. So I was earning more money than I was ever used to. And what I really quickly found out was materialism and buying things and living a certain lifestyle wasn't really fulfilling. And so therefore what that caused me to do, I I could say, is I started to look for something else in life. And that's why I went traveling for 12 months. And that set me on the path of personal development. So I focused on developing myself. So I started to look at um, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. I looked at hypnotherapy. I looked at various different modalities and coaching, obviously, as well. And what I found was it quickly helped me to analyze and work out what was going for me and how I could navigate and pivot and change things so I got a more fulfilling life so even though I was still in the corporate world I was doing things outside of that that were really helping and supporting me having a much more balanced life in terms of work life balance because up until that point I was really focused on the work to the extent where I'd I'd actually one of the reasons why I went traveling was because I I effectively had burnout and I didn't recognize it at that time Mm. and the reason why I started creative muscle was I took and applied what worked for me and was able to help other people. And, and that's where the birth of Creative Muscle came from. And um, yeah, so you went through that burnout. Um, and did you realize that you'd gone through that while you were away on your travels or when you came back? Um, when, when did that uh, actually occur? Because I guess there's a lot of people that are actually in that process now, right? And they don't yeah. realize that they're in that process. Yeah, 100%. So I didn't realise that um, I was in the process of burnout. It it took me a long time after to figure out that I was actually in burnout. Um, so the, the scenario being, um, I just knew I needed to get away. I, I needed to leave the job. And there wasn't a language around burnout before. Um, if anything, it was, it was maybe still... Um, around yuppie flu or MS or there was other different things that were being described that wasn't necessarily the, the correct um, uh, prognosis. But yuppie me, flu? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, is that like, yeah. Is that like, for like, like a city term, is it? That's a, that's a city term, exactly. So this, these were people in the banks and whatever it is that were kind of effectively getting burnout and that's what they, that's what they called it at the time. But now we've got a language and now we're beginning to be able to see symptoms of what that could look like. 
Um, and there's various, it's a bit like IBS. There's a, it's a number of different symptoms, um, which can be insomnia. It can be chronic anxiety, fatigue, um, you know, even imposter syndrome, um, being a workaholic, self-soothing with alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever it is. There's a lots, lots of different things that can actually um, be described as symptoms of burnout. But yeah, it, it, it took me a long time to figure that out. I think it's really uh, very interesting because I've now lived in the Netherlands for well a long time now. I think it must be coming out to like 14 years. I've been in the Netherlands, maybe about 13 years. Um, yeah. but it's a term that is more widely understood here and more, I wouldn't say it's more commonly used because it's not like the percentage, more percentage of the population here in the Netherlands have burnout, but they do use that terminology. Whereas I feel um, compared to the UK, it's still not really properly talked about and um, the awareness is not super high. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that because there's a lot of narratives that we're, we're still in the legacy of, which is, you know, work harder or, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the whole notion of the, you know, start work at not five o'clock in the morning, you know, get your hours in before anybody else starts. And, you know, still, you're still checking your emails in the evening. I mean, when I started to work for international companies, it would mean that you'd be working across different time zones. So, you know, in, in Asia, for example, I'd be checking my emails from seven o'clock in the morning. Um, if I had customers in the US, for example, I'd still be checking them way into the evening. So your working day becomes a lot longer. And where we've got information overload, we've got so many different devices and technology. So it's, it's coming at us from all different directions. And there, there's an in many organizations, there is a culture, an attitude or a mindset of you've got to be able to handle it and, you know, take responsibility for it and be accountable and everything else. So I think that coupled with the information overload and the access to information through those devices means that we get into this chronic cycle of, of just always being on, not really being able to switch off. So where we're seeing the rise of that information technology burnout as well, you know, that overload. We're also seeing the rise in people talking about mindfulness and therapy and everything else to try and balance it out. But the key thing is it's, it's about not dealing with the symptoms and it's not even dealing with the outcomes. It's about putting the prevention in. How can you do the practices, the rituals and the things that actually really support you before you get to that stage of burnout? And one of the biggest issues is, is that a lot of people can function with burnout. So the toll it takes is on our physiology and that can go on for, our, our bodies are so resilient, that can go on for a long time before something really breaks. And, and at that point, it can be really challenging. That's really fascinating that actually there are people at the moment who are in burnout. They just really have no idea that they're in that process. Yeah, yeah. and And worse still justin is their mindset is that i've got to be doing more i've got to be I've, I've got to do more to keep up with the pace of life and everything else that's happening and sadly it uh, makes people even less efficient and fulfilled in their work i can imagine i'm just yeah. uh, looking through your you know your, your 
fantastic LinkedIn profile and, and you do help people with creative muscle. So yeah. have you, have you got, and you've got some great, um, you know, great people leaving comments about their experiences working with you. So have you got some examples of where someone would come to you, what situation they'd be in life? Like where are they at? What would they be looking to achieve? Have you got some examples of that? Yeah. So it, it's, it's varied and there's this whole thing about niching um, and I'm continually refining my offering. So when I started back in early 2005, I was a generalist. I was like, I was life coaching. I was hoping to bring awareness to people, understand that they are in control of their life in, in a way. So the, the, the concept of creative muscle is that we are constantly creating our reality with our decisions and our behaviors and things that we're doing. So if you look at it this way, is that our mindset creates our behaviors and our behaviors creates our outcomes. That's what's happening and our outcomes really are what we're facing in terms of a reality. So that's really the model that I'm working with. So I go back to the very first thing is what's your mindset and bringing awareness to that mindset and understanding what the conflict is between that mindset. Is it in or out of alignment? Because that really helps us to understand whether we're affected with our behaviors or not. So I started off being a generalist and helping people just, you know, stop smoking or how they can live a better lifestyle or maybe lose some weight or whatever, whatever their, their issues were. And it was around 2017 that I really doubled down on the idea of this solopreneur and crafting the life that we want to live. So instead of it thinking about, well, actually, you know, do I want to lose weight, stop smoking or, you know, I want to get further in my career. The real question is, what's the life that you want to live? And mm. generally speaking, there's two types of people that I would say I generally focus on. And those people are, A, the first lot are in the corporate world who are feeling unfulfilled, frustrated. They're in burnout. Um, they might not be consciously aware of it, but they can see the symptoms of it. Um, they're in toxic environments. They're generally just, you know, they're not happy and they want to find that fulfillment or that sense of purpose somewhere. So that's the first set of people that I'm working with. The second set of people is the solopreneurs who already have skin in the game. They get it. They've, they've decided to leave and they're probably in the first one to three years of being a solopreneur and Again, one of the challenges is if you've been in a work environment for a long time, you, you become institutionalized. Your mindset is still of that of an employee's. So you're still mm. acting and operating. So your behaviors, because your mindset is that of an employee, you start to behave like a, an employee. And so your outcomes are similar to that of an employee. So helping solopreneurs change that mindset so they're much more liberated and empowered in terms of crafting the life that they want. And that's through embodiment. So it's not about teaching people what to do because there's lots of courses. This is what you need to do to make six figures. This is what you need to do to be successful. But how do you be that person that you want to become to create the right. life that you want? And, and that's where I think my approach and skill set are very different from a lot of the coaches and the courses and things that are out there about doing, whereas I start with the being. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource. B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. It's, it's a great phrase, having skin in the game. So I've got an example of when I 
my first startup actually started out as a joint venture. So I was originally on the pay payroll of a larger company, but we were a startup in that company. Yeah. And uh, there was a time when we had to break away from that model. But up until that moment, I, mean, I, was, I was technically in the startup, right? And we were, there were a team of three and um, I wasn't an original founder, but I was sort of in that founding team. And then, and the mindset was that I was an employee. And then when we had to part ways and do something, do it a little bit different, yeah, I couldn't remember. It took me a long time to break away from that employee uh, thinking. And then I had to think, oh, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that team now. I'm part of the entrepreneurial group. So I've got to start behaving like one. Um, yeah. It was a really, uh, it was a really odd transition, but it definitely helped when creating, you know, other ventures. And I can imagine as well that there might be someone that you're talking to who's worked in a corporate for, let's say, 20 years, and then they want to start on their own. I mean, they have yeah. to be pretty brave, right? And they've got to deal with a lot of change. Yeah. So first thing I'd like to say is this, is I don't think solopreneurship is for everybody. And solopreneurship in my frame isn't necessarily about leaving your job. What I mean by solopreneurship is crafting the life that you want. So it's, it's bigger than the business. You, 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 you do this because you want to live a different way. And usually what some people find is they can't do that in the employment model because there are too many restrictions. There's too many limitations. You have to mm. ask permission to, to do X, Y, and Z. And some people aren't built that way and, and, you know, they reject it. So those are the, you know, there, there are people who have never worked in a corporate world because they're seen as unemployable, you know, and right. they perceive themselves as unemployable. They can't have a boss. They can't have a manager. They can't have someone telling them to do something. There's other people who stumble into the corporate life and work and at some point there is a conflict of, you know, I'm, I'm on this train or I'm on this bus of the corporate life that's taken me to retirement at 65 when I can start to enjoy life and everything else. But they want more and something different for their life at that point. So those are the people that have a level of awareness that corporate life isn't for them. So that, that's mm. the first thing. And, and that's not for everybody. Some people absolutely enjoy corporate life and, and that's great for them. And, you know, I'd, I'd support them on that every step of the way. But for the people that want to make the transition, what tends to happen is people then go to freelance or consultancy. And the issue is with freelance and consultancy is that quite often you're no longer employed, but you're still acting or behaving in the same way as an employee would be. So somebody's still paying you for your time, but the only thing is, is that you're on a short-term contract. It's, it's not a long-term right. contract, so you're going to work for a certain amount of time. But you still have the employee mindset. So actually, now you've got less benefits. You're probably working longer hours because you're not getting the support. You're maybe not getting access to all of the systems. So actually, that can be even more challenging, actually becoming a, a contractor or a freelancer. Whereas a solopreneur is really about, I'm working on my terms. You're, you're crafting a life that you're working on your terms. Mm. One of the biggest issues of working in, a, in an organization is that institutionalized mindset. So we're stripped of autonomy because usually you have to ask for permission for everything. Like, you know, if you want to go on holiday, time off, take a child to school, to the dentist, whatever it is, you need to let somebody know and somebody kind of needs to authorize it. If you want to download an app, someone needs to authorize it. 
you, in lots of companies it's changing now, but you used to have to wear a uniform, whether that's a suit and tie or you're wearing all the logos or anything else. So your sense of identities is slowly stripped away the longer that you're in the corporate world. Right. So all of these things have an effect on our mindset. So you've got the challenges of starting a new business and you've got the challenges of trying to deal with your mindset. And the problem with your mindset is you can't see it. So you almost need somebody like a coach or I, I call myself a code breaker, which is, which is a different thing, but um, to help to reflect and help you change the way that you perceive yourself and your mindset. So there are a number of challenges, but I have to say it's very rewarding and we're at a time where the technology is in place where the, due to the great reset, which was the pandemic, you know, more people are working remotely. They have wider freedoms that they can create a side hustle and start to connect to their passions and their purpose. Definitely the pandemic has made a huge shift, hasn't it? I mean, we, in my previous company, we worked only two days per week in the office and three days we could work wherever we liked. That was pretty, um, not going to say it was groundbreaking, but not many companies are doing it. And then the pandemic came along and then, it, all of a sudden everybody had a lot more flexibility and I think now that very few people are actually going to the office every day of the week right so that's a that's definitely a big shift I think it's quite fascinating to hear you say that yeah you can uh, make that shift towards a solopreneur and you can still be working within an organization that could be fairly large right so it's definitely a shift in mindset so you're not actually saying to people oh you need to quit your job you need to start your own business you need to be a consultant because it is true, being a consultant can have some amazing benefits, but you could end up working longer hours and, and there's a lot of pressure on you. So that's really a, a very interesting point. Um, I'm just curious also, Future Fuzz is about thinking a little bit differently in the business world, thinking yeah. about what's coming in the future, um, but and also how people um, use digital marketing and, and market themselves. Yeah. What do you think's been your most effective uh, channel to grow your business in particular? Yeah, um, I, I, my, my primary thing is LinkedIn at the moment because it speaks to it speaks to a lot of people who understand the platform is about business. Um, that said, well, I found you on LinkedIn, so it must be working, right? It, it, exactly. Um, <laughs> And, and unlike Facebook and Instagram and, and some of those other channels, you know, people generally know that what they're there for. It, they're, those lines are being blurred at the moment between LinkedIn and, and some of those others. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think what's happening is it's, it's not so stuffy, not so corporate, and you're getting to see the personality of the people behind the profiles. Um, but fundamentally, we know it's a business platform, a networking platform. So that's the easiest way also is speaking to the people my audience that i want to speak to so often they're in the corporate world or they've just got out of the corporate world and they're trying to scale up their business um as a solopreneur so it's it's the easiest place for me to find them i possibly could do that on linkedin at the same time but i think focusing on one platform and for me what it helps me to do is craft my digital persona and that, I think that's really important that you start to find your tone of voice, who you're speaking to, what problems you're talking about fixing. And that's the beauty of, 
of LinkedIn because there are people on there telling you what they're not happy about. They're telling you that they're not happy at work. There's there's lots of other content creators that there are synergies in terms of what we're speaking about and the problems that we're solving and who we're solving them for. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think you think you hit the nail on the head there when you say about um, your let's say your digital persona, your your your, your making sure your personality comes through. In a previous podcast, we had with Blair Sharp, who does who helps people with content. And um, she's real, obviously very active on LinkedIn, does a great job and said the same thing. It's about when something is top of mind, they know to come to you. And it's all about posting the, the right content. I, I do feel there's a little bit of a blur over, like you said as well. So it's where it feels like LinkedIn's coming a little bit more Facebooky or something like that. People are yeah. posting that they're on holiday and they're taking a break for their job. I was like, well, that's not really business related, is it? You just told us that you're on a holiday from your your job. Maybe they're in a burnout. Who knows? Um, and then, but there are there are there's also people automating content, not really thinking it through, um, which I think is damaging. But on the whole, yeah, when people are on the platform, they they know what they want to see, and there's a, there's a lot of good content out there. Yeah. Um, Earl, have you got any other? pieces of encouragement or guidance for for people out there right now who are you know they're they're stuck or they think they need to make a change have you got anything to say to those people who might be listening yeah um i think the key things are this um is one of the things that i help my clients do is and and i'm speaking from a place that i was back in 2002 actually 2000 really when I kind of had this, there's more to life than this. There's got to be more than li- more to life than this. And realistically at that point, the only way that I could really discover that was at least what I felt was jump on a plane and go around the world and visit different places and cities and everything else. And that meant at that point, giving up a job, taking that risk and then coming back. I think now is the best time that I've actually seen where you could actually do that either within your job, if it allows for that, or for creating a side hustle for something that could actually help you to start to generate additional income and you could work remotely and you can see the world and you can really discover what there is more in life to then start to decide what life you'd want to create. So I think there's so many things right now and coming in the future which is going to make the life of the solopreneur a lot more accessible to a lot more people. I'd say fundamentally, though, you know, making sure that you've got the right resources in place, the right systems, the technology, um, but also the right people, the right camp. And again, there's a lot of people out there on LinkedIn and other platforms that are have gone through this process that are experts in terms of digital marketing, Uh, brand um, identity in terms of helping you use technology, business processes, and Mm. also coaches or code breakers like myself that can help you understand the shift in the mindset that needs to happen. So there there is so much out there that can support you and you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of money, uh, pounds on or dollars on a course. You know, you can start small and help grow it organically and then you can start to invest what you need to as you start to grow your business. So I just think it's a really, really profound and exciting time for, you know, crafting the life that you want as a solopreneur. 
Brilliant. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and your patience as well in getting this set up. Um, where can people find you if they want to contact you? So the, there's two places. Um, I tend to be on LinkedIn every day and my website, which is um, so on LinkedIn as well. Just follow me, hit the bell. I do have a newsletter, a monthly newsletter that goes out on LinkedIn. I've also got my website. This is creativemuscle.co.uk, which is going to be going through a refresh soon. But there's information on retreats and courses and workshops that I, I can do. So you can find me on either of those or just drop me an email at earl at creativemuscle.co.uk. Fantastic. Brilliant, Earl. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll post all that and the links in the description. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.